Luke chapter 15. Uh, turn there and let's, let's read this um, about uh, a few scriptures here that we've been reading all month long. It's the, the, the parables, the three parables that Jesus told in Luke 15. And so he first tells us who's in the crowd. The crowd is filled with this. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him and also the Pharisees and the scribes. So we got some religious folk that know or think they know God. And then we got people that are outright just, they don't honor anything, Jewish purity or the law whatsoever. And that's who Jesus is sitting down and talking to. And the Pharisees and scribes complain, saying, this man receives sinners. He's over here eating with sinners. So Jesus said, mm, it's my perfect timing that I need to say some things. So he spoke this parable to them, saying, and we know he spoke the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep. But then we come to the third story that Jesus tells them. And that is in verse 11, I believe it is. So Jesus said unto him, he begins to tell them this story. There was a certain man who had two sons. Somebody say two sons. So this man had two sons, and the younger of the sons of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of my goods that falls to me. So the father immediately gave him his inheritance. This younger son said, give me what's mine. I want it now. I'm not waiting to the funeral home. I'm not waiting till we read the will. I want what belongs to me now. I got some, I got some stuff I need to do. I'm heading out of here. Next verse. And not many days after the younger son received his inheritance, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to, and he journeyed to a far country. And there he wasted his inheritance, his possessions, with prodigal living, and that means wasteful, I mean just really bad, sinful, uh, reckless living. But when he had spent all that there, and when he had spent all, so he's out of money, there arose a famine in that land, because he's in a far country, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed the swine. So he got a job feeding pigs which is the highest of insults to a Jewish person is dealing with pigs and then he says I would gladly have filled his, his it says he would have gladly have filled his stomach with the pods the food that the swine were eating and no one gave him anything so the pigs are eating and he's starving and this this is a rich young boy that grew up on wearing elephant wear come on somebody wearing polo and wearing all the right things but when he came to himself, hit somebody beside you and say, come to yourself. When he came to the reason why he was born and why he was created, because so many times we don't know why we were created. Sometimes we don't figure it out till our deathbed. Sad to say. It says he came to himself. He woke up. And he said, how many of my father's hired servants? So we know dad has some money have bread enough and even spare yet I perish with hunger I know what I'll do I will arise and go to my father and I'm gonna say to dad father I have sinned against heaven and before you because word got back what he'd been doing in the far country and I am no longer he says dad to be worthy to be called your son so go ahead and make me like one of your hired servants so he arose and he came to his father and when he was still a great way off, his father saw him. Aren't you glad that when we're still afar off, God sees us? And it says the father had compassion. Not like, all. Oh, no, his father had gut-wrenching the way Jesus had when he looked upon the multitudes. Compassion. The Bible tells us that the father ran, which a patriarch in a Jewish society doesn't run for anything. Only the children. It's kind of undignified. But how many knows God will get undignified and even expose himself on a cross? He ran and fell on his son's neck, who had greatly sinned now, and he kissed him. And the son was like, said to his dad, he pulled out his speech and said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer to be called worthy to be called your son. Next verse. But the father heard him. And then looked over to his servants and said, bring me the best robe. By the way, the best robe is the father's robe. 
It's the garments of the king. It's the garments of the father. And put that robe on him. And put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. Mm. And bring the fatted calf. They only kill the fatted calf for monumental situations. Bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. Let's throw a party. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he is found. Somebody say lost and found. And they began to be merry. They began to have this party. I got it going. But his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, this is the older brother. He heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants over and asked, what is this? What's going on at the house? What's all this I'm hearing? And the servant said to him, well, your brother's come home. And because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. He's throwing a party. But the older brother was angry. And he wouldn't go into the party. Therefore, his father came out. Aren't you glad God will come after you when you're the younger brother? And God will come out also when you think you have it all together. The father came out and pleaded with the older brother. Hey, come on in here. So the older brother said, he answered to his father and said, Look, these many years I've been serving you. Hey, I've never transgressed your commandments. I've went to church every Sunday. I've never did anything wrong. And yet you never gave me a young goat. I've done all these things. And why aren't you giving me a car, a job? Isn't that what you should do if I give you all this and do all this? You've never did that for me that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this son of yours came home, this son of yours, he doesn't even call him his brother. Because that's what happens when you get self-righteous. But this son of yours who has devoured your livelihood, he's playing his dad against him, your livelihood with prostitutes, harlots, and you killed the fatted calf for him? Really? And he said to him, to the father says to the older son, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should be married. It's right. It's right that we should be merry and be glad. What's wrong with this? Shouldn't we be proud of your younger brother? It's the right thing to do. You know, a lot of times we're, we're really nice to people when we know we're above them. We don't mind discipling people till they pass us. Superiority spirit that comes in the church even that we think we're better than or that our denomination or our teaching is better than even that church down the road help me somebody he says shouldn't we be glad I mean come on hello I mean is this not the right thing to do with when somebody has the right heart for your brother was dead and he's alive son he was lost and he is found isn't this powerful isn't this amazing it's not the story of one lost son. There's two lost sons. And we've talked about that all month long. And we're actually going to end this series today. And something very, very simple that God put in my heart. Then we're going to start something next week that I believe is going to really take this whole ministry, all of us, even me, to the, to the next level. So we're ending this series today. Anybody enjoyed it? It's really showed us. It's amazing. Pastor Tanner's teaching the college on Tuesday nights. And we didn't even talk about it. He's teaching them on Luke 14 and 15. And it's amazing that Luke 14 and 50 does two things. It exposes man's heart. And here's the better part. It exposes God's heart. How God feels. That you can be in the house with the Father and not know the Father. You can go to church every Sunday and not know God. Just as bad as the younger son lives. Look at this one scripture. The next scripture, guys. I believe it's verse 13. Is it verse 13 that I gave you? Um, yeah, verse 13. Verse 13 says, And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together. He said, Gad, give me, my, give me my inheritance. And he journeyed to a far country. Somebody say a far country. That literally means he broke covenant. 
He said, I'm done with this. I ain't going to your church. I ain't going to church. I, I, I'm done with this. He journeyed. He left. He left. He went to a far country. Why? Because he, it was a journey of self-discovery. He said, I'm ready to live on my own. I'm tired of being under my father's rules. I'm ready to do my own thing. I'm ready to find myself. And there he wasted his possessions with prodigal living. Let's pray. Father, thank you today. Lord, I ask you just to speak through your word. Thank you for your presence. God, thank you for your amazing love for every person that's here and that's watching. Jesus, thank you for all that you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this parable, we've been talking about, um, I think this is our fifth week, out of this parable, out of Luke 15, and we've talked about how Jesus redefined sin, because we could all say, hey, the younger brother, he was in sin. No, the older and the younger. You can be in sin in keeping all the commandments. I know that's hard to believe. Turn me up just a little bit, please. You, you can be in sin and still be breaking and still keeping commandments, but not have relationship. Pastor Tanner was talking about in a way that this morning when giving your offering, that it's a heart thing. It's a heart thing. So we've talked about sin redefined. We talked about last week, again, along the same lines, that lostness redefined. That you can be lost in sin and outside of the Father's house, but you could be living in the house with the Father and still be lost. I don't know about y'all, but this series has turned me in the monitor just a little bit. This series has messed with me. Has it challenged anybody? I hope last week, if you didn't hear last week, go listen to it. Because it's the problem that's going on in America right now. You can e end up even masking sin by religion. You can end up defending what Jesus is against. For the sake of sin or even a political party. That's wrong. And in America... We have polarized everything. It's either you're this or that, you're this or that, you're this or that, you're this or that. And that's really a messed up thing, and it's a way just to divide. So we talked about lostness, but today, I don't think I've ever preached a message on this. I want to talk about redefining home. H-O-M-E. Verse 13 says that the son went to a far country. Somebody say home. It says the son journeyed away from home to a far country. Like I said, a journey of self-discovery. You know, a journey to find freedom, a better life. You know, it's kind of like when you get married or when you leave home to go to college. It's like, yeah, baby. I watch it all the time. I went to the Alabama game last week, and I stood there and watched young women trying to impress everybody. Competing who's going to wear this and who's going to wear that, who's the cutest. And sadly, by the end of the night, they may find themselves drunk and even taken advantage of. Because when you don't know who you are, you will give yourself away. When you don't know how valuable you are, you'll think of yourself as a paper plate. When you're fine China. Home. The son said, I'm going to go to a far country. I'm getting away from this place. And I'm going to make a new home. I'm going to be my own man, my own person. But yet we know he finds disappointment, loneliness, lostness. After that temporary pleasure of having money and things fades away. Just like when we watch A&E biography or any of these other things on people that have a lot of money that end up losing their life in fame. Fame leaves you empty. Money will leave you empty and other folks will love you just for your money. Try winning the lottery. You got lost cousins from three generations. Showing up at your trailer. Come on, somebody. <laughs> hey, Lord. My mama's mama's mama. 
I was kind to Jesse James and Elvis. Come on, somebody. Everybody kin to Elvis. That is <laughs> and Jesse James. <laughs> I'm getting goofy now. And we know that the younger son comes to himself and he's, you know, whether you want to question his motives, I, I, I dare to say to you that his motives were wrong returning home. That really he was just returning home because he ran out of money. But what I love is the father will receive us back even when we come for the wrong reasons. I mean, after all, none of us want to live a life apart from God or live in hell. Come on, somebody. But after we receive Jesus, it must become deeper than that. Our relationship must grow deeper than just, you know, the great escape that we preach. It's got to have a deep foundation behind it. We can't be codependent upon God all the time in, in, in that sense. I love the word home. Somebody say home. As I began to write this message, I said, Lord, this is really strange to end this series. And he said, just go with me. I love the word home. The word home is a very powerful word, but it means different things to everybody in this room. If I were to have you write down the word home, you would all give me different definitions or what the word looks like or what it means to you when you say, uh, say home. Has anybody ever been to L.A.? Anybody ever been to L.A.? I'm talking about Lower Alabama. Has anybody ever been to Lower Alabama? So <laughs> I grew up in L.A. Come on. In Lower Alabama. Uh, several small towns. Anybody ever heard of Slocum? Anybody ever heard of Slocum, Alabama? It's just like it sounds. I didn't realize there was a slap out Alabama. Did y'all know that? Who's heard of slap out? It's it slap out in nowhere. There's a slap out Alabama. Lord have mercy. I also grew up in a little town in lower Alabama called Luverne. Anybody ever heard of the Luverne Tigers? Luverne, Alabama. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We got any, do we have any Luverne Tigers in the house? So I was, hey, put that picture up. So I grew up for a minute in my life in Luverne, Alabama in this house. Dad was the pastor. When you're driving down, headed toward the beach, you will pass the very cinder block church that we, I cut grass when I was nine, nine years old, and Dad preached. It's now a, a Latino church on your right when you're traveling down toward the beach and you go through Luverne. Do not stop at the chicken shack. Jesus is all up in that place. And I found out my best friend that was in elementary school with me now owns it. Don't tell me there's a God. On the way to the beach, we stop at the chicken shack. Come on, somebody. How many knows when you find chicken and biscuits, you find the anointing all day long? So this is our house in Luverne, Alabama. In March, we were on our way to the beach, I think, for spring break, and I realized we had to go through Luverne. And I told my family in the car, hey, guys, can y'all give me a minute? I want to take y'all by somewhere and show you. And, and I... And I was like going by memory and I was like nine or ten years old so that was like 15 years ago and and I so I was trying to remember how to get there and so I was driving down 231 and I saw the church and I and I was like I remember that I used to walk to the bus right here by the Pepsi plant and I'd walk to the bus and all that and so I started driving through the neighborhood trying to find the house and I found it and took this picture I sat there in front of it and told Destiny and everybody that was with us, Christy, about this house. And this house, when I saw it, it brought back so many memories. And now, it used to be white with orange shutters. Come on, we're talking about late 70s. Orange. Orange church pews. Y'all remember that? Mm-hmm. Jesus. And so, I began to tell them about this house and about my dog that got bit by a snake behind the house. And, and about how Pat wanted to teach me how to play golf. And if you that know Pat... Pat was always in trouble. He's now preaching the gospel, but he did really bad things growing up as a preacher's kid. And so we're out in the front yard. It's Christmas time. That window on the front, on the right, to the left of the door, I'll never forget. He was teaching me how to play golf, and he always had me do things. Anybody have a big brother like that? Always had me do things. And so we had, we, our church had a turf softball team in, in Luverne, and so he put down the softball, and he said, just hit it, hit it like really hard off the ground. I hit it off the ground. It went through that window, knocked the Christmas tree over into my mother's lap. And back then, we didn't know the New Testament very well. 
So we live by old covenant rules in the house. Isaiah, where's Isaiah Shatt's line? He, he makes fun of this. I, I, they about to whip my tail. Um, his own, Pat blaming me and all this. But there's lots of memories. But I looked at that house, and it had this weird, weird feeling. Even after I left, I had this weird feeling of this house that I grew up in. And, man, we had some really bad memories in that house, too, of things that happened when my dad was pastoring and, and my mom um, was not well in her mind because of a deacon in the church that was from hell and the things that we went through in that church. And then when we brought our first African-American to church, the whole church blew up and got mad because our church has always been about all nations. And my son's best friend was African-American. And my son, he got born again. He came to church and got born again. And the whole church got mad because we had an African-American in our church. So really bad stuff. There was good memories and there was not so good memories. And I, I remember in March, this, just this last March when I went by there and took that picture uh, that I left and wondered why I was having this feeling about this house that was my home. Home is a powerful but elusive concept. What I mean, inside of all of us is a longing for a place that fits and suits us. A place where we can be ourselves, home. A place that we will never leave, home. A place that, wow, I found I never, I'm never going to leave this place. This is home to me from here on out for the rest of my life. This is home. But many times there's no real place and even family at times that satisfies and fills the yearnings for home. There can be at times places that even arouse the yearning for home or memories of home. The memory of home can also be evoked by certain sights. We can see something and say, that reminds me of growing up in this home. Certain sounds. How about this? We can even, certain smells can take us back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. You smell somebody cooking. That reminds me of grandmama. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? Or that reminds me of growing up. That reminds me of back home. That smell, that sound. Reminds me of home. Many are excited even for Thanksgiving every year. I get to go home or I get to be with my family or Christmas. And they go to, to go home with great expectations. And they leave disappointed many times. And unfulfilled that what I had expected at home, I didn't quite get it. Come on, anybody know what I'm talking about? We get to the place in life where I just need a vacation and to get away. Because if I can just go on vacation for a few days, I'm going to make it. through. If I can just get away and just find a different home. And yet, it's so funny, we get to the end of our vacation and we just want to go home. Yet, when we get back home, we want to go back on vacation within a week. There, there comes this... We're never satisfied. We, we're always searching a vagabond, if you will. We're always looking, a nomad. We're always looking and searching for this place to make me feel at home. Yet I feel like I'm living in a far country. I feel like I'm far away. Yet I'm always looking for home. It's funny. Uh, college students. Where's all my college students at? I'm loving y'all. Y'all are awesome. Ah, come to press on Tuesday night. You'll love it. Um, college students. I watch you every year, and I love you. I love college students. Love talking to college students. And, and it's funny because we, we get to leave home. We leave mama and them and everybody. We get to be on our own. It was so funny. Yesterday was parents weekend. I saw kids acting so right. And I was like, wait a minute, last weekend when they weren't here. But we, we finally get to get on our own. We get to find our own wings. We, we're gonna, this is going to be home right now. And, and we get our dorm or we get apartment or we get whatever. And it's like, yeah, freedom. And I'm finally a grown person. I'm finally out. And, and it's so funny. By Thanksgiving, I want to go home. We go back home for like two days. I'm ready to get back. 
going and leaving, searching, searching, and wanting, and going, and going, and going. It's like we're never satisfied. It's always like we're on this never-ending quest and search for home. I know this can be deep in a way. I really don't think we understand eternity. You know, we used to sing, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me. And we're always, I, or the old song, I've never been this homesick before. See the bright light shine. That's a white folk song. Hear about home time. <laughs> it's funny. There's songs for different. Anyways, all right. So, so, so. So, so songs about home, songs about softly and tenderly, Jesus, that's, that's more, is calling, calling for you. Who remembers that? And for me. I, like, I texted that to Pastor Julian and Greg this morning. I ain't never heard of it. I'm like, my God, I must be, come home, come home. Who remembers that? Ye who are weary, come home. Mm-hmm, Jesus is calling Calling all sinners, come home. Greg and Julian, like, huh? Lord, y'all need to build out that old red hymnal with the blue spine one more time. Melodies of Heaven was the name of that hymnal. I still remember the page numbers. Amazing Grace was number 206. And if I didn't have that in my hand during church, during hymn time, I'd get beat when I got home. I still have a little problems about that flashbacks a little bit but you don't hear songs about home about heaven when we all get to heaven what a day of rejoicing that will be who remembers that thank god some of y'all remember that see jesus will beep turn the page Honor to the prize before us soon in In those mansions bright and blessed. He'll prepare for us a place when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. Come on. When we see Jesus. Now, and there's there's nothing like that because I, I will tell you there's, I don't want to get off on theology and all kinds of stuff, but, but you, you know, it's almost like we're holding on for the great escape and that kind of thing, and, and we don't understand who we are on, on earth also, and I know we can get into doctrine and theology and that kind of thing, and, and there's a lot of those, some of those old hymns, I'll fly away, that can be a little um, doctrinally not correct, the, theologically correct, but I'll tell you what, mama used to say, son, do me some of them crying songs. That's what my mama used to say. Now, y'all got to know my mama. Son, do me. I was a worship pastor. Do me some of them crying songs. I just want to cry. <laughs> Tanner, you know what I'm talking about. I do think, and we're going to start a new series called Hungry for Jesus. I'm starting a new series next week called Hungry for Jesus. And, and I do think there are elements missing in the body of Christ today. Maybe because we saw it on this end growing up, and some of you college students saw it, and you're like, I don't want all that. I want this. Just make sure you don't swing too far. Because there's no place like home. Come on, Dorothy. There is no place. And we're on this search. Many times, I, I see it all the time. Pastor Scott, I'm moving. Pastor Shy, I'm stepping out of the choir because I'm moving to Atlanta. Why are you moving? I don't know. It's time for me to start a new life, new beginnings. We're going to make it real spiritual. God wants me to go there. No, the problem is you're running from yourself. But I only got, I only got one thing about that. You can't run from yourself. If there's one person you've got to learn to live with, it's you. So you can marry whoever. You can move to Hawaii where it's 81 degrees every day, and you're still going to face problems. But, but it's funny because sometimes we think, I'm going to move here. I, I'm picking up. I, I got a divorce, and I got this, and I just got to have new beginnings. I get some of that sometimes, but you need to make sure it's God because we're on this search that if I move here, and then, then we see all your Facebook posts, wow, I found it. This is home. Home. Home on the range. This is it. About a year later on your Facebook post, I got to get out of here. I can't stand this place. 
I am ready to go. I'm ready to leave. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because we're trying to find that place, yet we're in a far country. We're trying to find it. The fact is we are all the younger brother journeying toward home. We are all exiles, if you will, longing for home, traveling, yet not ever arriving. It's almost as if our houses we live in are only hotels right now, our inns, along the way toward our real home. Why is home so powerful and yet so elusive to us? We can see the answer This did not hit me to this week, all through the Word of God about home. There's a constant theme throughout God's Word concerning home. I don't know if you ever noticed it or not. In Genesis, we learn that we're all created to live in the Garden of God, the Garden of Eden. We were created to live in the Garden before the fall came. That's where God created us to live. It was a place designed and built for us to make home a place of love, a place where if you said the word fear, we would look at you and say, what's that? Fear? What's, what's the word fear? Because their fear was not present, only love. The atmosphere of heaven was God's fullness and God's presence. A place, it was also a place of identity. Let that sink in. The garden was a place of identity, a, a place of wholeness, where there was not decay, And decease. It was a. It was the home and true country we were made for. The kingdom. However, we know what we all know what happened in the garden. And just like the father in Luke 15, who represents God, he was dishonored and not revered. And we rebelled like the younger son against the father at home. And we traveled and journeyed to a far country. And we no longer wanted to be in this garden. We want to be in charge of the garden. We want to be the gardener. We wanted to live without the interference in our lives. We can be like God. I was told that. And we turned away and became alienated from him. And the result is we went into exile. Somebody say exile. That's a biblical word, exile. We went into exile. The theme of exile is seen throughout the whole word of God, from the garden to even Adam and Eve's son Cain, who killed Abel. After he killed Abel, he went into exile. This theme of leaving home is a constant theme, sometimes by our choice, and sometimes we're even forced to leave home by other people's consequences. We see it all through the Word of God. We see the human race living in a world that cannot fit our deepest needs. We see a people longing for home. I see it even in the lost today. I saw it in the eyes of those kids at that ball game last week. Christy and I talked about it because our heart, we love college students. And we stood there last week, not not the way you think, not some judgmental mom and dad. My heart aching because that's somebody's baby girl. That could be my daughter right there. And she's searching because sometimes we search for home in another human. You see it all around, people searching, looking, grasping. In the darkness even, like Isaiah talks about. Now for you that are older, anybody remember Michael W. Smith? The singer Michael W. Smith? He came out with a new, couple new worship albums lately, but but he's an older guy like me. And I remember back in the 80s, I think, maybe 90s, maybe 90s, that he did this song called Place in This World. Looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place, place in this world. I'm searching. I'm fine. I'm trying to find my place. Oh, my God, it's everywhere right now. Everybody's searching, looking. If I marry him, if I marry her, if I get this degree, if I do this, if I have money, if I have a car, if I have this, let me do this. And and we basically put fig leaves on us. 
like in the garden, and we try to recreate glory by being clothed in our own ideas of what will satisfy us. And nothing will clothe you, nothing will, will bring satisfaction, no matter what fig leaves you make in your life, whether it's this or that or that or this. It, it, may, it may bring a sense of covering, but all it's doing is covering what you know on the inside is there. Your nakedness. Come on, somebody. Is this making sense at all? See, no matter what we do or what we have or who we marry, we are all on a quest for home. And I'm going to say this, and please receive this the right way. We, we do, we do, we do. We work out our bodies. I've lost a lot of weight. I want to be healthy. I want to be around a long time. I want to do my part. But we work out. We eat right yet we still face disease. We still face death. We long for love and relationships. And we long for relationships. I'm going to be their friend forever. Ten years later, you don't even know them. I'm going to marry them and be with them forever. You're now not together. We long for relationships in this thing that will last forever, but it could change at any moment. Come on, I'm not trying to depress you. I'm just telling you the truth. The depravity of man, of where we are. We strive for power and money, and yet it can be gone in a second. When I used to minister on the streets of New York City, I, I ministered right down Times Square. I lived on 51st and Broadway in New York City, and I ministered to the homeless every single day. And before I could even walk in to where I lived in an old dressing room in Mark Hellinger Theater where Super, G Jesus Christ Superstar, the, the, uh, was, the production was right there on Broadway, and that's where I lived. And I ministered to the homeless every day on 42nd Street and everything. And I saw people laying in the gutter that I would minister to that a month before that they had all the money in the world. And they lost it all. Solomon says it comes and goes. It's empty. It's fleeting. Matt, before you left Las Vegas, you had fame. You were playing drums for top artists. And yet, out of nowhere, God knocks him off his horse and he says, I got to get home. He leaves all of it. He's living with me now. But this man is created to be a king. But he had a moment where all of a sudden he realized, I got to go home. He called me and asked me, could he come home? Because he used to be on my staff. He came into my office seven or eight years ago and said, I just got to go. And I said, what do you mean you got to go? I just got to go do my thing. He leaves, goes to Las Vegas, becomes very famous and popular, playing drums for, you name him, country artists, rock artists, older artists, also hanging with some top-notch movie stars, things like that, sex, drugs, rock and roll, drinking every night, right? You old pitiful thing, my God. You old sinner, you. Got tattoos on your arm and everything, my God. And all of a sudden, God knocks him off his horse like Saul. And his story's amazing, and he calls me and said, can I come home? Can you come home? I said, boy, come on. I said, come on home. And now he's helped pastoring. You that are becoming new members, you're going to hear from this guy because you'll sit down with him. And he'll talk to you about what's in your life. And he, he's not religious, and that's what I love about him. He's been there and done that. Somebody say, come home. Somebody say, come home. Every day man tries to recreate home or tries to recreate the garden. We try to recreate the garden, but we end up empty. The only true home is found in the very presence of God. And again, you see this theme throughout the word of God of exile, exile. I mean, I, I hope you see this more than anything. From Adam and Eve to, like I said, Cain killing Abel, leaving uh, to 
Jacob cheating his father and brother and then fleeing into exile. Then Jacob's son, Joseph, being taken from their homeland into Egypt becomes, and there becomes a, a famine. And we know that story. Then we find the Israelites that are enslaved until Moses and they return to the ancestral home. And centuries after this, David becomes king and is now hunted as a fugitive, as an exile. Later, the whole nation of Israel throughout the word of God becomes exiled again and again and again, taken into Babylonian captivity by King Nebuchadnezzar. We've been talking about that in CMS in the book of Nehemiah. Exile, exile. Exile, exile, all through the word of God. Story after story continues this pattern of exile away from home. The whole Bible is a message of the whole human race being a band of exiles trying to come home. You can see it all through the word of God. From the Persian Empire to the Grecian Empire to biblical days with Jesus, the Roman Empire. Come on, do y'all see it now? Israel, even after being forced to, and they were freed, and they, they, they were freed and went back to Zion, J- Jerusalem, they still lived in oppression. Did you know you can be free but still live as a slave? And in a way, it was like many homecomings, but it was never homecoming. What we must understand is much of the cause and the failures of Israel not ever really coming home, even though they're geographically home, was not the enemy nations taking them as slaves. It was their own disobedience. They lived in exile because of their rebellion, selfishness, pride, and sin. And the bottom line is Israel needed a Savior, just like all of us need a Savior to be able to go home. And they're... They're excited because they heard of Jesus showing up. And all of a sudden, in the New Testament, Jesus shows up. He's going to be our Savior. And if you've ever read and studied the New Testament, they're only excited because they think Jesus is going to rise to political power. And he's going to defeat the Romans and take over the whole thing. And all of us Jews are going to be like, that's my candidate. He's going to save us. And Jesus said, no, I'm not coming like you think. First of all, I'm not coming behind a curtain in a palace. I'm coming in a barn. You know, Jesus won't come the way you think. Then we find Jesus throughout his ministry, he actually doesn't even have a place to sleep. He says, foxes have their holes, birds have their nests, but the Son of Man has no place to even lay his head. I don't have a place to call home. Wait a minute, Jesus. We thought you were coming to take over the Roman Empire. We wanted, we wanted to be home. And all of a sudden, you show up talking about this other kingdom. What you talking about? What do you mean this other kingdom? You talking about the Roman Empire? No, no, no. You're, you're preaching this other place. That we're of this other place. We're of this other kingdom. Wow. Isn't that powerful? talking about bringing us into the kingdom of God Jesus he would later lose his life outside of even the city gate of Jerusalem exile on a cross a sign of rejection and exile see Jesus didn't come to deliver one nation from political oppression Jesus came to deliver and save us all from our sin and from evil and death itself. I'm going to close with this. The fact is, Jesus came to bring us home. I said, Jesus came to bring us home. Jesus came to bring you home. Now, as I was writing this, you can look at that two different ways. First of all, salvation, you can be home today. In him we live. You can find your life, new life. People were celebrating people with baptism today who have found they were raised to new life. They found their home. Your home is in Jesus. 
And I'm telling you, church, I'm not trying to go old school, but we're coming to a place where we're going to realize, younger generation, please listen to me. I, I know you have your dreams, and I want you to reach your dreams, and I'm going to cheerlead you on as pastor while you're here at the university or wherever, and I want you to find those dreams, and I want marriages, to, and I believe God's going to raise up people in government and places to shine for him. But let me just tell you something. You must always understand this world will never satisfy you. Money will never satisfy you. A relationship. I love my wife. We've been together 30 years this month. And I love her with all of my heart. She's amazing. But nobody can do me like Jesus. Nobody can satisfy me. You have to stop trying to get from other human beings what you can only get from God. I'm going to say that again. you got to stop trying to get from other human beings, girlfriend, boyfriend, what you can only get from God. Pastor, I can't, and they're sitting in my office every, I, I want them to do this, and I want them to do this. This is why our marriage is upset. And the, the other person goes, Pastor, I can't give them what they want. And I finally have to say, that you cannot give them. you got to quit trying to get from things of this world what you can only get from God. Everything is temporal. Everything won't satisfy. You are on a short mission trip. You're not home yet. You're not home yet. You're on a missions trip. You're on a missions trip in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. You're on a missions trip at the University of Alabama. Yes, you're there to take classes. Yes, you're there to get your education. Yes, God is going to use you. But you've got to understand, you're on a missions trip. And when you understand you're on the king's assignment, and he's given you a letter, he's given you his word to go by, you will be able to walk in the class and love people. You'll be able to care for people. You'll be able to minister to people. You'll be able to preach the gospel to people. And hearts and lives will be changed. And yes, you will be blessed by things. And God may give you a lot of money but the money isn't for your glory it's to be used for God's glory it's to write a check to a missionary it's to write a check to the homeless it's to write a check for one big Christmas it's to help others if God gives you anything first of all it's not yours it belongs to God everything that you have from your car to your toothbrush it belongs to God everything that you ever have it belongs to God the ultimate your life belongs to God Jesus came to bring us home. Hebrews 2, inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Jesus. Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Say Jesus is our answer. Say Jesus gave us the victory. Hit somebody beside say, what you so depressed about? Say, you could be lost. I'm scared to go home. I'm in the far country. I spent all my money. What's God going to do to me? First of all, you need to understand New Testament. That your father's on the front porch saying, come home. No, I'm scared. What are you going to do to me? No, no, no. You, you, you got the wrong image of your heavenly father. Come on, baby. Come on home. I, I don't care what you've done. I don't care. I'm not here to talk about your past. I'm not here to talk about your shame. I don't want you to feel guilty. I want you to let guilt fall off of you. I want you to let shame fall off of you. And I want every chain of sin to fall off of you. At least now you have a testimony to say, I've been there. I've tried it. I got the t-shirt and it didn't satisfy. And nothing in this. I've had sex. I've been with people. I've had drugs. I've had this and I've had that. And I'm here to tell the world. I'm here to tell the university. Nothing will satisfy you but Jesus Christ him as Lord and Savior he will satisfy your deepest need he will give you the victory he will give you the power and guess what you will make straight A's in the name of Jesus you will do what God's called you to do you will be empowered and just like my own daughter that's competing today she will marry a man of God because this daddy prays for her every day. I have been praying for her husband since she was born. That she would not be deceived by the wrong guy. Also, I've been dating her so, with the, so that when the counterfeit shows up, she'll go, no. You ain't like my daddy, I ain't marrying you. Come on, somebody. This is the, this is the power of getting into relationship. This is the power of coming home. I hear Jesus saying to somebody, come home. Come home. Come home. Yes, we know that heaven, we're going to live there one day. But you don't have to have hell on earth. You can have heaven on earth. Come on. 
you can call heaven to your earth right now by living in Jesus. And I hear God saying, somebody's in a far country today, come on. Come home. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is telling you, come home. Come home. Come home. Yeah, but I, did. I don't want to hear all that. Go ahead, give me your speech. Give me your repentance speech. Okay, forgiven. Y'all get, the, y'all get the fatted calf. Y'all get the DJ. The Bible tells us in heaven there's going to be a, a, a meal like they're having that party in Luke 15 called the marriage supper of the Lamb. And there's going to be singing and dancing and a whole lot of chicken and ribs. It's going to be awesome. The Bible says we're going to eat for seven years. Come on. That sounds like Jesus to me. Come on. And there's going to be a celebration of those that come home just like there was in Luke 15. He wants everybody, the younger brother, the older brother, the religious person that's living by the religion yet does not have relationship. He wants you to come on in and find relationship. You're able to dance with God. Come on. You're able to worship God. You're able to lift your hands. It's not a religious thing. Let me tell you something. Go look on YouTube of everybody that's been released from prison early. Go, go find a YouTube. Go find YouTube and look up where people were released from prison early. I promise you they didn't walk out of it and go. I promise you when they knew they were guilty and got released early, they didn't walk out of prison going. Go, go find the YouTube. Go look it up, YouTube generation. Go find it. They run out of those gates leaping and thanking that they knew they were guilty, but they were released. They were pardoned. They were forgiven. They were freed early. Come on. That's why. Listen, I don't raise my hands because I was raised Pentecostal. Glory to God. I don't do that because I'm Pentecostal and, and all. I do this and I pray in the Spirit when He leads me, not religiously, but I praise Him this morning what he's done the value of the cross how much money does it cost anybody got any money how much money does it cost for your freedom you can't pay for it you can't pay for freedom you can't buy joy you can't go down to the the mall and buy some joy oh you may think you find it in a bottle you may think you find it in a person but you can't buy joy This this joy that I have the world didn't give it to me so on tough days the world can't take it away I live with joy on the mountain. I live with joy in the valley because I have the greater one, Jesus, inside of me. Come home. Who needs to come home today? Who needs to come home? Who needs to come home in this place? Who needs to find home today? Who needs to come back to the farm? Who needs to come back to God? Who needs to step back into that relationship with God? Bow your heads.